The Rogue Car On Halloween night, Ben Weber abandoned his car in the breakdown lane of a desolate turnpike and set out on foot to find help. Making his way through the cold darkness, Ben knew that his midnight search for an emergency call box was the price he was paying for his own ineptness. The cell phone in his pocket was useless, suffering from a long-dead battery. He cursed himself for not charging the damn thing back at his girlfriend's house. He cursed himself for not riding with a spare tire, or a tire iron, or a jack, or even a bottle of water for that matter. Ben was not one for black magic, but really, if there were ever a more appropriate night for curses, it was tonight. Before breaking down on the most unpopulated stretch of highway on his way back home, Ben had believed Halloween had wrapped up for another year, and for most everyone else, it had. The costume parties, trick-or-treating, and jack-o'-lantern lightings had been observed the previous night, but for Ben, alone, out on the winding turnpike walled in by miles of national forest, what felt like an authentic Halloween experience had only just begun. His breath growing labored, Ben jogged across the long stretches of darkness between the old light poles that dotted the turnpike. The few that still displayed functioning bulbs barely offered enough illumination for Ben to make out his own shadow beneath him as he crossed through the copper light. Two miles into his journey, and he was already haunted by tired legs, and a growing thirst was gnawing at his throat. It was painfully obvious, mostly in his legs and feet, that he was physically unprepared as well. The adrenaline dump he'd been running on since pulling into the breakdown lane with a blown tire was fading into a deep fatigue. Plus, I'm not in the right shoes for this, he thought. Ben Weber piled on the self-scoldings for another quarter mile. He knew the roadside predicament could have been avoided rather easily, and that a more prepared man would already have the tire changed. A more prepared man would be miles down the road by now, proudly drumming the steering wheel to a victory song on the radio. And he'd be well hydrated too, Ben thought. Ben's backpack, which he'd left in his car, contained only a toothbrush and the Grim Reaper costume he'd worn to a Halloween party the night before. Well, at least I can die out here with clean teeth and an ironic costume, Ben thought. Two days earlier, he'd been blowing through his midterms, giddy to ditch the books and get on the road to see his girlfriend. Lately, he'd been feeling an off-putting urgency to reconnect with her since they'd entered a long-distance relationship, a consequence of her getting employed out of state while he finished up school. Things between them just hadn't been the same lately. Ben had hurried through his exams, feeling a sting of unpreparedness, especially on the essay questions, and hit the highway right from class. He'd made zero attempt at prepping for the drive, save topping off both his gas tank and a big gulp of Dr. Pepper. In hindsight, a breakdown seemed probable. His tires hadn't been balanced or rotated in forever, and his engine oil must have been ancient. He knew he was facing a comeuppance, being cold, scared, hardly able to sustain a jog for a few miles, hoping to find a lifeline and a technology he wasn't sure still existed in the age of smartphones. He knew he was long overdue for this kind of test, one you just don't cram for last minute, a test not taken in the comfort of a climate-controlled lecture hall, 
one that had real consequences for failure. I'm not going to be graded on a curve, Ben thought, as the dark road winded in front of him. Ben jogged on, against traffic, but only in the directional sense. He hadn't seen another car on the turnpike since merging onto the godforsaken road. He figured there wouldn't be another passerby until daybreak, and even if someone came by, who in their right mind would consider stopping to inquire about the well-being of a lone-hooded stranger at this hour, on Halloween night no less? Around another abrupt twist in the road, a light appeared, throwing a dull copper glow onto the turnpike shoulder. Ben hustled toward the light, but as he neared, he found no sign of a call box. He shuddered. The cold air stung his nostrils and his throat. What he'd give to take a long inhale of the warm, intoxicating smog of his dense home city. To taste the late-night tacos at the hole in the wall near his studio apartment. To feel warm grease from cheap beef drip down his chin upon first bite. When he got home, he decided, a taco binge would be the first order of business to celebrate the end of his Halloween nightmare. But first, he needed to find a call box. His stride weakened, his feet flattened out, his steps became louder on the pavement. Soon he surrendered to a pitifully slow pace that was just faster than a walk. Good God, he was out of shape. No, Ben thought. You have to be in shape at some point in the last ten years to qualify as being out of it. His lungs heaved and it dawned on him that maybe there was some connection between his current physical condition and all the late night taco stops. Finally, he succumbed to a walk. He felt some relief in his lungs and legs, but walking brought on a feeling in his gut, something like vulnerability. Focusing on the road ahead, he tried not to think about the infinite woods that sealed off the turnpike from civilization. He tried not to think about the creatures that must be roaming them on Halloween night. Save his feet on the pavement, not so much as a cricket chirp pervaded the silence, Maybe it was too cold for crickets. Ben walked on. A gradual bend in the road, self-scolding most of the way, until the darkness was interrupted by another light up ahead. As he neared the bronze oasis cast from a naked bulb that backlit the rusted guardrail, Ben saw what appeared to be a yellow rectangle mounted to the pole. A call box. There it was. The damn things still existed. Ben broke into a sprint, overcome with optimistic visions of a tow truck, of spending the rest of the night back in his girlfriend's warm bed, getting breakfast with her and hitting the road with a shiny new tire. He had enchanting visions of buying a car jack, a tire iron, and even extra food and water, everything he should have had before making the trip in the first place. If he could be towed away from the godforsaken turnpike, he knew he would never be caught unprepared again. He also made a silent pledge to abstain from midnight taco stops too. At the call box, giddy with anticipation, Ben skidded to a stop, lungs heaving and spirits high. Please work, he prayed out loud. With cold fingers, Ben unlatched the case and opened the call box. His heart splashed into his stomach, which began to turn over with anxiety. Inside the call box case, he saw only mangled remnants of what had once been a phone, all of it reduced to obliterated plastic and frayed wires. 
the receiver appeared to have been ripped out and used to smash the rest of the unit. Ben stood, staring at his destroyed lifeline. The cold bit at him, and a terrible thought crossed his mind. Someone out here doesn't want me calling for help. His eyes went to the woods beyond the guardrail. Unmoving beneath the weak light, Ben Weber wrestled with that growing feeling of vulnerability. Oh, that's it, man, Ben thought. Game over. Finding the call box had been step one of the plan to get back to civilization, and now that plan had been pulverized by... by who? Vandals, Ben reassured himself. Just your everyday run-of-the-mill highway vandals. In the light, he felt exposed. He had to get moving again, but which way? A wave of dizziness struck him, and he was forced to steady himself by leaning on the light pole. The sprint to the call box had shocked his system. It had been nearly a decade since he'd pushed his body into a full sprint like that. Ben felt his stomach heave. His hand slid down the light pole as he dropped to one knee on the pavement. He held back vomit, but some got in his mouth and he was forced to swallow the wretch. On one knee, he tried to breathe and steady himself and let the dizziness pass. Please, he said quietly to the night. Please. Ben didn't know exactly what he was asking for or where he was directing the question, but much to his surprise, what rose up in him from his gut was not the fast food he had for lunch, but a voice that seemed to answer. And as the voice reverberated through his entire being, Ben felt at ease the terror that was afflicting him. It dissolved the sprint-induced nausea, and somehow out on the turnpike, for what seemed like the first time in his life, he felt a deep calm overtake him. Move forward, the voice said. It spoke with a decisiveness that was unrecognizable to Ben as any known part of his own personality. It had all the feelings of an external force entering his being, and yet somehow he recognized the voice as uniquely his own. It spoke to him directly, without any self-loathing. It spoke to him as an ally. It spoke to him at the level of his nervous system. Keep moving forward, the voice said again. Ben felt the inner voice had kept the phrasing simple for him, for his own benefit, as if not to complicate the message that it delivered. There was something paternal and ancestral in its tone. Obliging the voice, Ben rose from his knee and steadied his resolve. The air was cold, but he inhaled it deeply. Then he moved forward to find another call box or the city limits, whatever came first because hell or high water, he would get off the godforsaken turnpike and in the process, settle the cost of being unprepared with a long night of suffering, cold, and thirst. If he kept moving, he would stay warm enough to get to water long before dehydration became life-threatening. It would be an uncomfortable night for sure, he reconciled, but he would conquer the damn turnpike and some of the weak parts of himself in the process. Keep moving forward, he heard the voice say again, and then he sensed it fade away. No turning back now, Ben told himself, and he walked into the night. Ben made it another quarter mile before vetoing his new plan and betraying the ancestral voice. Instead, he stopped cold in his tracks. Because who was he kidding? He had to turn around. 
It was better to play it safe. After all, his car was just a few miles back, and if he didn't find an intact call box, he'd be facing many cold, thirsty miles back to the city, and that prospect was too daunting. Ben knew his limits, and he didn't care to push them any harder. Yes, he'd go back to the comfort of his car, blast the heater, and slowly sip the last of the watered-down Dr. Pepper he'd left in his cup holder. Then, warmed up behind locked doors, he would wait for the sun to chase away the cold and the dark. Eventually, someone would come save him. Sure, the surrender stung, and he suffered the shame of not following through with the plan, but there would be plenty of time for more self-scolding while he was spending the night in his car. Ben pushed his hands deep in his pockets and was just about to turn around and head for the refuge of his broke-down vehicle when a faint scream broke the quiet of the night. He stood, unmoving. He listened, eyes widening. Ben felt his pulse start to pound in his temples. His heart began to race. His mind began presenting frightening theories. There's someone out in the woods. They must have been watching me. That's who destroyed the phone. The scream came again, louder, and Ben realized it wasn't human or animal, but something inorganic, like the rusted gears of some industrial machine protesting to a halt. And it wasn't coming from the dark woods beyond the guardrail either. It was coming from out in front of him somewhere. It only grew louder, an agonizing metallic shriek bearing down on him from the night beyond where his eyes could penetrate. Flight finally came to him in a hot rush of adrenaline, 